the Road, the podcast series all about facing failure, overcoming difficulties, improving our research culture, and so much more, all set within the higher education and research environment. If you're joining us for the first time, then you're welcome to listen to these episodes in any order, or pick and choose the ones that interest you. But I do recommend listening to episode one, which is a short introduction to this project, first. That episode outlines what we're trying to do here, how the project came about, why we use the language we use throughout the episodes, and a few other technical bits, such as funding and ethics as well. Although this podcast was made as part of my work as training coordinator for graduate students at the University of East Anglia, I'm not a professional sound engineer or radio host, and all of my guests were volunteers, recording from their own homes with the equipment they had to hand. Please bear with us if the episodes aren't always quite as polished as professional podcasts. The message they convey is what's important here. Speaking of that, I hope you enjoy today's episode and it gives you something to think about, either now or in the future, it inspires you to try something different, or it makes you feel less like the only person in the world when you face setbacks or difficulties in your work. If you have any feedback or comments about this episode, I'd love to hear from you. Contact details are in the show notes. Show notes have been created for this and every episode. They contain links to as many of the books, people, websites, or other resources mentioned by our interviewee, combined with some of my thoughts and notes. Show notes for every episode can be found at emmaelvidge.com forward slash podcast. Today I'm joined by Rebecca Shaw, a PhD student at the University of East Anglia and the Earlham Institute, Norwich. Rebecca is working on conservation genomics of the European polecat, and she's also an active STEM ambassador and science communicator, currently working on the Norwich Pint of Science events, amongst other things. Rebecca started her PhD in the midst of the global COVID-19 pandemic, but despite this rocky start, her discussion today was nothing but positive. Rebecca's clearly passionate about the role of good communication and building community, whether in person or online. I found this discussion really uplifting. I hope you do too. Perfect. Morning, Rebecca. Thanks for joining me. Do you want to introduce yourself, who you are, where you've come from, where you are today? Sure. Um, so I'm a first year PhD student at um, the University of East Anglia. I'm, I work at the Earlham Institute as well, though. Um, I'm from Scotland. Um, I re- I'm actually in Scotland just now, but I'm going to make my way back to Norwich after lockdown um, in a couple of weeks. Great. And what did you do before you started your PhD last year? So before I started my PhD, I was a research technician um, for two years, um, again up in Scotland um, at another university. Um, And then before that, I was doing my master's and my undergraduate. What made you decide to do a PhD? Um, I guess... That's a very good question. I really liked research and I really liked um, the the atmosphere when I started working as a research technician. Um, after my master's, I was in between wanting to do a PhD or not. So I thought I'll go try and get a job somewhere and see if after a few years I still want to do one. And I got quite a lot of support from my colleagues at my job to go and pursue a PhD. So 
I um, I actually tried for a couple of years to get a PhD, um, and then eventually I managed to get one. So that was that was good. <laughs> That's perseverance. Then, if you tried a few times to get to get the right fit and one that you know there was, yeah, the right fit, I guess, from both ends. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think the first time that I did the round of applications for PhDs I don't know if I was I don't know if I was trying very hard um I was kind of just like oh I'll try it and see if it works out and if it works out it's for me and if not then it wasn't meant to be um but the second time round I really um I, pers- I really tried I I made all the right contacts um with supervisors I got someone to check over my CV because I obviously realized that the year before I hadn't put as much effort into applying and maybe that that showed in my application so um yeah I really put some effort into it and um, I managed to get interviews at that point um, which I hadn't before so that was that obviously shows some improvement which is good. Can I ask if you when you weren't successful did you ask for feedback because I know that that's a really scary thing for people to do um some people are put off by by wanting to hear what didn't go right. Yeah, I think I, I I did at least for there. I remember there was one project that I really really wanted, um, and I had actually contacted the supervisor and I thought, oh, this is great. Um, we have a rapport. Um, this looks promising. Um, and I remember not even getting any um interview or anything like that for it. And I was, I was quite downhearted by it because I thought, oh, like I had I had tried with this one. Um. So I did ask for feedback and because PhDs are so competitive, um, I received an email back from um, the administration team saying that because there were so many applicants, they couldn't give me any feedback, um, which is understandable, but it was really disheartening again. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, definitely. I never know when you get that message whether you should feel a little bit better because it's just the volume of people you're up against but you also do want to know don't you why yeah exactly it feels very personal um even though even though they try to assure you that it's not personal it does feel personal um Mm. so yeah you really do want to understand um anyway that was a side tangent sorry (laughs) we are talking today about the topic of failure within within research and when we were speaking before this you said that you you really wanted to share your experience as a technician and how your view on I guess research failure so like lab-based or research failures have changed over time Um, and I just thought it was a a great story so do you want to share with us a bit about how you view failures or things going wrong whatever you want to call it how you viewed that in the past and how things have changed? Um, yeah, um, so when I started my job as a research technician, I hadn't really done a lot of lab-based work. Um, during my undergraduate degree, I did um, a couple of lab practicals, um, and then in my master's, I did some lab work for my project, but I hadn't really experienced lab work um, and what it was like to be in a lab every day. So I, when I started my job, I did expect some amount of failure um as you do when you start something new and for the first few months I was shadowing um another technician so that was good there was someone there to always try and catch my mistakes if you will um 
but as time went on, as a lot of people I'm sure will know if uh, they've worked in a lab, experiments would fail consistently um, and it was really disheartening um, and there was never any, it, sometimes there was quite a clear understanding why something didn't work but other times there wasn't and you just had to troubleshoot um, and when you're doing the same experiment every day for days on end trying to understand why it wasn't working um, you do sort of get down on yourself and you blame yourself for not being a good scientist and it it does get a little bit I wouldn't say it it, it drove me to keep going the, the failure the I really wanted to understand why some of my experiments weren't working but it does get you down and it, it makes you think that you're not good at what at your job um and for a while I didn't say this to anybody I just kind of kept it to myself and I kept going on and I was really scared to tell my supervisors sometimes that the experiments weren't working, so I just made out that I was really slow at what I was doing as opposed to the fact that I had failures. But once I started speaking to students, like PhD students or other um, technicians, I realised that this was just this just goes hand in hand with lab work. Um, and the more you talk about it, the more you can see that other people have been in your shoes in the exact same position and it helps to talk about them as well because if someone else has been in your shoes they've maybe tried a different technique or a different method to try and overcome that failure which is can be the exact same one that you're um, experiencing and even just having somebody else's perspective can really help um, and that's how I started to deal with my failures I kind of I kind of started joking about them um, in the office with other people saying, oh, my PCR didn't work again, or oh, my Western blot isn't isn't working. And instead of being really hard on myself, I was opening up to my colleagues and my colleagues were trying to help me. Um, and I think that made me a lot happier in my job and also allowed me to see that failure was just how you would learn. And after I'd been in the job for a year, I started supervising students um, for their research projects. Um, and these were honours and master's students. So they'd been in my position, well, I'd been in their position only a couple of years before. And I seen that they were making not the same mistakes, but having the same sort of failures as me and getting hard on themselves and getting really upset about it, thinking that, oh, maybe science isn't for me. And I just wonder how many of us actually go through that and think, well, because it's not working, we're not supposed to be doing this job. Um, and I try and encourage them and say, no, this is just what happens. I've, I was genuinely in your position like a few months ago. So, yeah, I think that was really important for me to understand that failure is just the way that we learn, the way that we grow. Um, and I really was becoming more experienced in my job. I think I was, I was more comfortable with failure. Um, but now since I started my PhD I've kind of had that same sort of cycle again because it's new because everything is different and I'm not as experienced again you kind of have this oh I'm not supposed to be here because I don't know what I'm doing but I think the more that you make mistakes the more that you learn and the more that you grow you can see that failure is very important for how you want to well for progressing in your career. Um, and in your jobs. Thank you. Do you think it's easier now 
when you find yourself thinking, oh, this has gone wrong, I'm failing at this, to separate out the a task failing from you being a failure because you've had that experience in the past and you got over it last time? I would like to say yes, but I think it depends on uh, how I'm feeling in the moment. Some days I feel more capable of being able to rationalise my thoughts. Um, so if something doesn't work or I've not done something to the best of my ability and I classify that as a sort of failure, yeah, it just depends on how I how I am in the moment. Some days I'm like, yep, okay, that's fine. Pick yourself up and do it again. Um, and other times I'll just go and hide in a corner <laughs> for a couple of um, hours and then uh, come round again. So yeah, I think it just depends. Do you have any techniques for for coming round again, for getting over it when something gets wrong, goes wrong? What works for you? Um, what worked for me is definitely taking some time off um sometimes and um this actually just happened recently with a presentation that I gave um and I I I felt it didn't go as very well as I wanted it to so I just took some time away from my screen went and did something fun to make myself feel better and even that I feel just gives you a better mindset um on how to deal with things so I just went away I, I actually I cooked dinner I cooked a four-course dinner <laughs> um, for myself and my flatmates and that just made me feel so much better and happier and I could then go back to it the next day with, with a clearer head. Um, and receiving critical feedback on anything um, can be quite hard to take. But when I when I manage to take myself away and do something different and come back to it, you, you can see how beneficial that critical feedback can be for you to grow. So yeah, I, I normally just I either cook or I run or I read, um, watch really rubbish TV. <laughs> um, yeah, those those seem to work for me. I I think they do whatever it is is your thing. They does always work, but it's so difficult when you're in the lab to or in that moment to make yourself leave. Sometimes, isn't it? You just want to keep being like, right, I should keep going, and but you know it'll be better if you go and come back the next day. Oh gosh, yeah, um, definitely. And I mean, I've definitely been there where I just won't leave. <laughs> I'll just stay and stay and stay and things get worse and worse and worse. Um, so yeah, I think it's definitely better to to go away for a little bit and, and take some time away from the lab um, or from your computer screen and just 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 acknowledge that, okay, it's not working. Let's Let's come back in a little while. I just want to come back to something you said a little while ago when you were talking through your story and you said that you were you were working as a research technician and you were having these you know problems going on for a while and then what worked was that you started or what helped you was that you started speaking to other people about it and sharing your failures and joking about it and I just wonder if if that was something that happened gradually, if you saw someone else doing that and that inspired you to talk with your colleagues or, I mean, maybe you can't remember, but was there something that sort of catalyzed that you started talking about it? I think it was just when I realised that what I was doing wasn't healthy. Yeah, I think, yeah, I don't exactly remember when 
I started talking about it in a in a more positive way. But I do just think, I think there was a moment of panic where I, I was genuinely um, stuck at trying to do something in the lab and I didn't know how to solve it. Um, and so I went to my supervisor and asked for their help. And I think it was then that I realised that maybe talking is will, will help me. And I think from that moment on, I realised that everybody um, makes mistakes or everybody has failures in the lab. And I think I could see it so much more clearer after I started talking about it and realising, OK, this is normal. Like repackaging that failure into something that you talk about every day instead of hiding away. So, yeah, I think it was definitely my colleagues that helped. Um, but I don't, I don't know if it was just that somebody else ma- was making failures and I suddenly realised or somebody was talking about it. But I, I just realised that asking for help would be the best way to, to move on from what I was experiencing when I was having failures in the lab. Definitely. You use the word normalise and I've seen on social media and such like the hashtag like normalise rejection people encouraging other people to share failed papers and failed grants and and that sort of thing and I I think that's quite an important thing that we should be doing as a research community so I mean do you have good role models in your supervisors now in other people in the lab talking about things going wrong yeah definitely um and my my supervisors are great I think over lockdown or this period where we've not really been seeing each other face to face it's been quite hard to to connect to them um but they've made it really easy for me to to talk about what I'm worried about or what I'm stressed about and I think they've they've really provided a a safe environment for me to come and talk to them when I'm when I'm a little bit worried about something which I think is really important to have a good environment to communicate to your supervisors I think that's really beneficial to to when you're doing your PhD um, and during my job as a research technician I really had um, other technicians that I looked up to or even just PhD students or master's students that I was comfortable enough to talk to and share my experiences with um, I think that was really important and now as a PhD student again especially over lockdown where everything's been online I've realized what a great community there is on social media like you say um there's so many threads on twitter um or even just instagram profiles of scientists or um other phd students that document their stories and how they're finding or navigating their way through their phds um and i think it's really important to see how other people are doing because we compare ourselves to other people all the time even if we we tell ourselves not to i think it's just well for me it's quite natural for me to do that um and I think it's just important to say oh okay my experiment didn't work today or um I think one of my favorite um favorite threads I've seen on Twitter is that somebody wanted to print out his failed art R graphs as artwork in his new house (laughs) so I think that was quite funny um and again it's just this way of like repackaging and normalizing your your failures as something that's accepted or acceptable yeah and not taking it too seriously by the sound of things so you've just said there about this you know printing out some failed stuff as art and you mentioned before about humor 
And I think that's really interesting because this doesn't have to be, let's sit down around a table and we're all going to discuss a time things went wrong because that's just depressing, <laughs> but just little lighthearted moments that are honest, but can be lighthearted and funny as well. Yeah. And I think, yeah, it just, it just provides you with a little bit of humour as well as, as well as just escapism. I mean, you can be so hard on yourself when something fails or something goes wrong, especially if you wanted those lab results for a particular presentation or a deadline and you feel so stressed about it. And if you just, I found that just by adding a little bit of humour, it really helps. It takes the edge off a little bit. So it's, I mean, the last year must have been so difficult trying to be in a lab in lockdown in two different parts of the country so what have you what are you looking forward to in the next 12 six 12 months of your PhD? Yeah I'm really looking forward to getting into my institute (laughs) I've actually only been there um, three or four times since my PhD started in October Um, so yeah I'm really looking forward to getting into my institute and meeting everyone there I mean I have met people online but it would just be nice to actually meet up with them and have a coffee. And I'm also just looking forward to really kickstarting my PhD, I feel. I mean, I have I have been doing work, I've had I've had stuff to do, but it it kind of have doing your PhD in your bedroom kind of disconnects you from what an actual PhD is about, which is researching in an institute or a university with um your colleagues around you and being able to attend seminars and conferences um so yeah I think I'm just excited to start my PhD (laughs) definitely Norwich is great when you get here finally Um, (laughs) yeah I know (laughs) thank you Rebecca for sharing this story and the the thing that I sort of highlighted the most as the take-home message was that you said that like it didn't go away you know you've learned how to deal with this fear but you still have it sometimes or often and it goes in cycles and you have it and you get over it and you you know you move on and I think that's really brave of you to share and the big message to people is it's it's not a problem that then was solved and everything's shiny now it's just something that people everyone deals with repeatedly so yeah I think that's the for me that was the one take-home message that you that you shared is there anything else you want to add no, yeah, I think um, that's exactly what I wanted to share. I mean, I wish that I could have been like, oh, I found the most amazing way to overcome your fears. <laughs> but it's not like that. And and I think everybody that I've worked with and looked up to, as much as they seem all amazing and incredible at what they do, they also have the same fears that, that I do. Um, and I think that's really important to remember that everybody goes through similar similar battles Mm. um so yeah you just have to learn to deal with it and and try and and just remember that that this community like the science community is actually such a forgiving and welcoming one (laughs) um I found yeah I don't think I would have been able to get through how I was feeling if it wasn't for the people around me so um yeah I think I think that's an important thing to remember as well yeah Great. The way I'm finishing off, oh, oh, the way I'm finishing off is asking everyone to wrap. I mean, they're not rapid fire. Take take as long as you want to answer them, but they're sort of two quick questions that I'm okay. asking to all our speakers, if that's okay. Yeah, sure. 
So the first one is, if there was one thing that you would change in the academic community to sort of normalise failure or to make to make people feel better about that topic in general, what would it be? Well, that's a good one. Um, I think just talking about it more, um, and I, I, that we've already said we wouldn't want to have like a round, t- like a dedicated roundtable of like, okay, these are our these are our worst things, and um, these are our failures, but maybe trying to have something where it's okay to talk about it where that where your like your pi or someone more senior says oh okay this is what i've what i've done this is my failures and um here what are yours um because i think that's where a lot of my issues stem from was that i wasn't communicating them to start with so yeah just better communication maybe um in the academic field yeah I agree thank you and finally if you could tell you four years ago five years ago you at the start of your technician job um if you could tell yourself one piece of advice now what would it be I definitely enjoy your research um yes it's very good that I took it so seriously but I can't be a perfectionist so enjoy it um don't try and don't try and be perfect oh, thank you thanks Rebecca that's been such a fun and an enjoyable conversation it's it's really cheered me up so hopefully it will for the listeners as well and so thank you for your time thank you so much for having me Emma That's all for today's episode. But remember, you can find lots more links and resources over in the show notes at emmaelvidge.com forward slash podcast.